All right. So look, it's the 4th of July weekend and the things that would normally be going on aren't going on. So I thought I'd post a new episode of the podcast just in case you could use a little conversational company during this really messed up time. I guess that makes this our 4th of July special. But if you're listening to this podcast sometime in the future, provided that there even is a future, don't worry. It's not about the 4th of July. It's just been posted on the 4th of July, which means you can really listen to it anytime you want. Don't believe me? Well, fire it up on Rosh Hashanah, and you'll see it plays exactly the same. So it's the 4th of July, and we're doing a show, and I'm happy you're here. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. No gray skies when you gouge your eyes. No mediocrity, no disappointing me. No gray skies when you gouge your eyes. No one to pay you for it. of my guest today on the program, Shannon McArdle. Let me tell you a little bit about Shannon McArdle. Now, Shannon has been on the show before, and her appearance is one of our highest-rated episodes. And it seems like it was just yesterday that she was here, but it was nearly two years ago, which is unacceptable. Shannon's a pal of mine, and a few weeks ago I was thinking about her, and I threw her a few texts, and we started rallying back and forth, and we decided on a time to get her on the show. In the meantime, her old band, the Mendoza Line, reissued their classic album, We're All in This Alone, on June 19th, commemorating the 20th anniversary of that record. But that was just a coincidence. I wasn't contacting Shannon to talk about that record. I just wanted to talk to her. Cosmic timing, I suppose. Shannon was raised in Georgia, but she relocated to Brooklyn and played with the Mendoza Line in the mid-90s. After that band called it a day, she put out several fabulous solo albums like Summer of the Whore, Fear the Dream of Axes, and 2018's A Touch of Class. I love Shannon's music. Her voice is a dark blend of melodic smarts and lyrical precision, all wrapped up in wistful folk and moody indie rock, and every number is just utterly breathtaking, spellbinding, and perfect. Look, conversationally, she's fast, she's funny, and she's nothing short of just utter joy. You're going to love this one. This is me and Shannon McArdle breaking it all down right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. I that early oh there you are yeah here i am hi um i am hi, a little yeah. bit yeah i'm a little bit early two minutes 
No, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry for calling you a dork. No, it's okay. I think we know each other well enough where you can call me a dork. <laughs> it's fine. I would never call you a dork, though. I want to say that. I want to get that out in the open. You can call me a dork. I would I never was, call you a dork. I was saving opening my beverage till I was on with you. Can I open it? You can open it. I have water. Oh, you're not, you're not going to do anything crazy tonight. It's, well, maybe tonight, but it's 4 p.m. Yeah, but you know? I'll be in bed, but like my bedtime's like eight. Is it? I'm kidding. No, I'm, I, no, it's not even dark, but like 10, 11, I don't know. I mean, but I'm listen just getting... to this. Listen oh, to this. My... You're going to love it. Wait, if I can do it. Okay. Hold on. Oh, yeah. That was good. <laughs> that actually, that was the greatest thing that's happened to me all month. Me too. Me too, Alex. You know, um, <laughs> look at this. I want to show you. I don't know if you can see it, but up on the wall on yeah. my board there is the note that you wrote me after our last conversation. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, but, you are a sentimental little fella. Come on like now. <laughs> oh, yes. The yes, I kind of am, but not in a weird way. No, I don't think it's weird at all. No, I no, thought it's... it was weird, I would say. Yeah, you would. Um, I would. Well, how are you? I don't know. I mean, first of all, I'm like, I have a sweat mustache. I'm in my living room, but, you know, I'm in New York. I'm in Brooklyn, and I, we have our just space, you know, our little window units. And so you can blast that shit as much as you want, but if right. you're really hot, you're not, and also I should probably turn it off for sound purposes soon. I think it's for, fine. Oh, uh, well, thank God, because yeah. otherwise the, the sweat mustache would turn into like a, I don't know, like a billowing. It's, it's hot here. It's hot. It's yeah. hot and it's humid. And so I'm hot, I'm hot and I'm sweaty. And um, all is not well on the home front. As you know, I have two dogs. Yes. And a cat. Um, the cat's just a total badass. She's like, no, I don't care. These dogs, we have fireworks going off uh, seven days a week from about, even before it's dark, I'm going to say 8 p.m. till about 4 a.m., every night and it is we're exhausted i mean you you can see by my hair you can see me they can't see me but you can you, you see. look great you, and everyone well. should know that that you don't look <laughs> tired i don't see a sweat mustache you look fantastic <laughs> oh okay well I no, you look great you look great oh, thank nope. you do too you no do too i don't well. Listen, I yes. just turned, I, we both, we both had a big birth, well, you had a birthday, I had a big birthday. Yours, was yours the 5-0? I turned 74 years old. No, you did not, but did you turn 5-0? I turned 50 years old. Yeah, sorry, I'm bad with math, and so you told me your birthday, and I was like, oh, this birthday's kind of like mine, you know, it's June. I didn't do the... I'm not, this is why I'm an English teacher. You happy fiftieth birthday! That Thank is you. a big fucking deal. It's a big deal. Um, yeah, I'm an English teacher too, but I I'm also not good with numbers. 
Right. But so what did you do for your 50th birthday? I didn't do anything for my, I mean, I had my 44th. You don't, yeah. one does not do anything for their 44th, especially in a pandemic, lockdown, Trump quarantine. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, but what did you do? <laughs> I dug a shallow plot and I got in halfway to my waist <laughs> and I went, I'm not bad. <laughs> like I could do this if I had yeah. to. It was like in the bell jar when the character like she sleeps in dirt. I kind of just oh, tried God. that out and I was like, oh, okay, I'm halfway oh, there. Yeah. Um, no, you know what? I kind of just didn't really give a shit. I just, what can I really do? Um, but I didn't do much because there's not much I could really do. But I also don't feel, I hate when people say this, but I really don't, I actually feel smarter and stronger and I feel like a better version of myself. There's nothing, there's no decline. So I don't really give a shit. No, I mean, 50 is the new 30. We all know this. And so, yeah. wow. and I can tell the audience they can't see you, Alex, that you look amazeballs. Well, I hate you. that expression, but I just used it. I like it. I'm, no. I like it when it's used in reference to me, but I don't like it <laughs> in general. <laughs> yeah, I am still modeling and uh, I am- You've got all your hair. You yeah. definitely have all your hair. I have all my hair, I'm doing okay. Uh, but, uh, but yes, but anyways, so yeah, 50 years old and it feels okay, I think it's gonna be all right. Um, but I was worried about- Happy you birthday. Thank you, happy, happy birthday. birthday, happy birthday to you. Thanks. Thank you, thanks. Listen, between the two of us, we're 100 years old. Oh, um, you did more math, you little devil. Yeah, I did. See? Yeah. Wow. I mean, these I are the things we do. Um, but you and I were texting, and I was thinking about your situation with the fireworks, and I sent you that song by X, because it reminds isn't yes. that song the saddest song in the world? I, so here's the thing. when I, I mean, maybe we shouldn't say this out loud, but neither, okay. I'm going to say it. Neither of us are major fans of X, and I don't no. think it's because X lacks anything. I think it's because you listen to what you listen to, and you miss some things, and I think I probably miss some things with X, and they're always on my radar, Yeah. but that song, I knew. <laughs> Me too. That song, the, the song 4th of July, it reminds me of sort of like a Hemingway where it's so simple and so fucking sad and it's heartbreaking. I'm not an X fan at all. It's like almost the only song I know. Um, yeah. But I love that song. But isn't it weird how I feel like there are, and now I'm going to completely draw a blank, but I feel like there are artists that I've loved that have songs called Independence Day or 4th of July. The only one that's coming to mind right now is Big Chestnut. Yeah. He had Independence Day, but I feel like, did Bruce Springsteen not have, I'm probably yes. making this up. No. He did? I think, uh, he has a, I think he has like a either, he has like a fourth, I think you're right. I don't know what it is, but I know yeah. one exists. We'll look into it. But yes. Let, okay. uh, but I kind of feel like any song I've ever heard that referenced the 4th of July or Independence Day was actually a really lovely song, which is that I would never have the, ovaries i'm gonna i would never have the ovaries to entitle something independence day or fourth of july just because i feel like i you gotta do a lot of stuff in that song yeah i mean you yeah you could make it you know symbolic of something for your fourth of july or i don't know it's just too much responsibility for me can't do it 
Also, don't some things get a little bit tired, like fireworks as a metaphor? That's sort of a tired. Well, a tired fireworks as a non-metaphor are, yes, extreme. Right. But they do get tiresome after week four. Yeah. After <laughs> yes. like week four of seven hours a night. Yeah. You get a little tired of the fireworks. Yeah, I love fire America. I sure. love America. Well... <laughs> <laughs> why um why are there fireworks so prominent in your life right now well it is a it's a national issue in major cities yeah i'm sure you've read a little bit about it it's, yes. a, it's a thing and um and and some of the theory is like it is a accoutrement to um the rallies which i i of course support and i've been part of a number of uh, of rallies um i i don't really buy that the fireworks are really i don't i i don't know like parallel to that i feel in a way that maybe they the, the people putting off the fireworks are using the the rallies as an excuse like we know there's going to be crowds so right. we're we're fine um, and, uh, you know, like what the papers are saying is like, hey, this is symbolic of people just wanting to take a load off after COVID, but it's like COVID's not fucking over. No. And, and certainly not in New York. Like, I'm not feeling a load off. I mean, I, I just heard for t from today from someone that we're like, going into phase three, July 6th. I have no idea what that means. I thought we were not in any phase here because I still, I, I haven't gotten on the train since March, except for one time okay. going, going to the Target because I desperately needed um, CO2 cartridges for my soda stream <laughs> because I, I, and so it was like, well, this is, but then I called Target ahead of time because there was no way I was going to go and they weren't, they weren't going to have them. And of course I got the message that said, due to the pandemic, we can't talk about stock. Oh. Come in. So here I am with like my major sweat mustache. I'm not even going to blame that on perimenopause. It was just pure stress <laughs> and heat, pure stress and heat. I get to the Target, and they do. They have my CO2 canisters, because I trade them out. You know, yeah. you recycle them. And I was like, well, hashtag blessed, or whatever right. people hashtag, you know. And I was, I was beaming, and I got back on the train, very sweaty as well, and but got back on and get home and only to find that my soda stream machine that I had had for eight years, it had broken. What? Well, it had gone kaput and that's why the last CO2 canister I had was not actually out of CO2. Oh. It was the problem of the machine. Now, if the machine lasting that long that's a nice ride i this is that was my second i'm now on my third soda stream machine and i am not gonna say anything bad about the company because i don't think that's bad like right seven eight nine years for a product but after that journey to not have seltzer water 
I was so demoralized. <laughs> I mean, I thought maybe you meant that the machine like broke itself while you were gone, like in defiance of you for some weird. Mm -hmm. Well, it that could have happened, but I think what I think the last CO two canister was telling me your machine's no longer working, and I didn't get the hint because maybe we're not that enough in tune. I have a new soda stream and listen, I'm loyal to the company. Um and I'm I'm not angry. I'm just uh I'm just disappointed. Yeah, and I mean you put yourself you you basically risked your health for some good cold sparkling water. Um, I have to say I was wearing gloves and a mask, of course, yeah. but just for the audience, I wanna make that clear. This is the most I've ever talked about SodaStream, and it's, since it's on my podcast, I think they should send me one, and then I'll say nothing but nice. Oh my god! Right? And they, and they should send me one too. They should totally send you one. Yeah. They should send us both. No, this is my third SodaStream. I had a red one, which was like the very beginning of SodaStream. I'm talking two. I'm gonna say two thousand. Oh, I don't know. Let's say 2010. Okay. No, earlier than that, probably. I got my first. I may have still been married when I got my first soda stream. And then that one, though, that was clearly their first soda stream because it did not last. It lasts like it lasted like three years. And then I got one that truly lasted seven, eight, nine years. I can't remember. That's a good run. Not bad at all. Do you and then use, this one looks promising. I mean, do you use it like, do, are, you, are you fairly rough with your soda stream or do you use it with uh, a guarded, uh, gentle touch? No, no, I'm not rough with it. I know okay. how okay. to use it. Like I'm not, it's not like I abuse the machine. Right. It's that it gets a lot of use because I, I drink a lot of seltzer water. Because I get started on like, and I'll be honest with you, you should okay. probably mute this. Oh, you no. decide. I'm not. Sometimes I don't pour it into a glass, and sometimes I just drink it straight out of it. Wait, wait a minute. How do you mean you put your mouth on the soda stream machine? How? No, on the button. No, not on the machine. I okay. don't like blow my face up with <laughs> CO2. No, I don't. Okay. I think you could die that way. I think so too. No, no. What I'm saying is sometimes I don't pour the bottle into a glass, but instead I just chug okay. the bottle. <laughs> okay. Because I had I got a little <laughs> alarmed. I think I knew why your machines keep breaking, but now okay. Um, <laughs> and, and why maybe I need to seek some help, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and not from SodaStream tech support. <laughs> but from, so you seem like the kind of person to me, and I may be projecting this onto you, but you seem like somebody who would also put something in the water, like a fruit or a like lemon. Oh, I'm so, did, we've not talked about this? No, we haven't talked about this. No. Really? No. Really? What do you really? think I put in my water? Well, I mean, when would the soda stream have come up in our conversation? <laughs> so that, like, when, that wouldn't well, have happened. I don't, well, to be clear, Okay. I never put anything in my seltzer water. My carbonated water, no flavor. Okay. However, I have three water pitchers in my 
refrigerator. Okay. I have the soda stream carbonated water. Of course, I have four rotating liters of them. And then I've got another water pitcher, which has something in it. And then I have another water pitcher, which is of the Brita fashion. Okay, what do you purified. What do you think the pitcher with the something in it has in it? Okay, this is a very California read on you, Shannon. Okay. I'm gonna say that you have cucumber. (gasps) Yes. Am I right? (laughs) You're right. You're right. Uh, I have cucumber. Yep. But and, religiously, every time, so I just keep filling, it's a small, it's like a liter pitcher. Okay. So I can fill it up, because I'll go through some water. So I can fill it up like three times until I see the cucumbers getting maybe a little pickled looking, but I yes. know they're not pickled because they're in water. Yeah. And then I know it's time to refresh. So it's cucumber. And I'm also so like, I'm sorry, I'm totally talking over you. No, no, I want to know this. Yeah. Um, the great thing about it is when I start to slice cucumber for the next uh, picture, Muri and Hazel, my two dogs, come sniffing on in because they love cucumbers. Okay, that's really weird. I didn't know that dogs like cucumbers. You know, dogs like a number of vegetables, but these two, they're just like, they think it's bacon. And I'm so glad because I'm kind of obsessed with their like being healthy and not, you you don't want to be that asshole with the fat dog. Yeah. 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 No, no. You don't want to be the asshole with the fat dog. You know, you have a dog. I don't. I have a cat who just. You have a cat. Sorry. And he is. I have a cat too. I think you have to have a cat. Um, but no, I could see the cucumber thing does not surprise me. Um, mm. Sometimes people go really California. They'll put like a, ra- a couple raspberries in there. Um, I like, hate fruit. Wait, you just hate fruit in general? I hate anything sweet. My whole family is, we are salt oriented. Okay. And I, I could never have fruit again in my life and I would be fine. And this is like, this kind of freaks people out because I don't like sweets, I don't like dessert, I don't like fruit. And then people go, oh, you must be so lucky because you don't eat desserts. And I'm like, I will eat that. You give me a pound of cheese and I'll yeah. eat it. Like the okay. whole thing. Like it's, it's not like I have self-control. I just don't, I don't have the sweet tooth and it runs in my entire family, but also the salt addiction runs in my entire family like we'll have like bread and we'll all immediately think like let's just put a little salt on the bread really <laughs> yeah i mean wow. all of us all of us we have a major salt issue i am lucky to have low blood pressure so when i go to the doctor they're like you could have a little you could add a little salt to your diet i love salt i love salt but now I'm worried that you're going to get scurvy <laughs> because you don't I, eat fruit. Well, I take vitamins. I'm okay. a vegetarian, which okay. doesn't really, I guess, doesn't help things. Um, scurvy, I don't know. You know, no. it could happen, but. I mean, well, 
No, wait a second. By the way, I'm a vegetarian too. How long have you been a vegetarian? So I was vegetarian, I probably, I'd say for 15 years, and then mm -hmm. I went vegan in 2005. Okay. Oh, you're vegan. Yeah, I'm technically vegan. Oh my God, I, could, I couldn't do that. I probably told you the story, but I became a vegetarian when I was like 12, and only because my older sister of two and a half, she's two and a half years older, she started high school. She came home and was like, I am a feminist and I'm a vegetarian. And of course, I thought feminist meant lesbian and I knew I was not a lesbian. So I'm like, no, I'm not a feminist, but I'm interested in this vegetarianism thing. And so I became a vegetarian at 12. Wow. And then I realized what a feminist was and I realized I've been a feminist all along. I'm a feminist too. I'm a feminist vegan. <laughs> so you're a feminist vegetarian. So we're both two more things we have in common besides our June birthdays. Right. And but right? Alex, a uh, vegan, I mean, I know the only reason I'm not a vegan is because I lack self-control. <laughs> and I worry what others think of me. Both of those things are a big issue with vegans because first of all, as I told you, I will eat a pound of cheese in one right. sitting. So that's tough. But the other thing is like being that person who asks a lot of questions in a restaurant. I already asked a decent amount of questions being a vegetarian. Sure. Um, and I've done that my whole like adolescent and adult life. And I'm, I'm totally fine with that. And of course in New York, and of course in New York, you could totally... I mean, being vegan is nothing here, but no, I say it's about feeling like an asshole asking about things, but really it's just that I like cheese. So I take it, it's just because I like cheese. Too much. You like cheese. I mean, only reason. Only reason. Yeah, I, I did it in 2005 or so, and it's been fine. Like, it's been okay. I mean, yeah. there are times at restaurants where you kind of go, maybe I'm sure I've eaten things I don't want to know I've eaten, but if you know, you know, I mean, I think it's okay. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it's been about close to, yeah, about 15 years since I've been a vegan. Really? Vegan for 15 years? Well, yeah. congratulations. Thank you. I, um, I could, I don't think I could do that. I mean, I could do that if someone like said, you will be vegan or you will die. I would you could be, do it I, well, oh, I could totally do it then. But only then, I think. I, yeah, it's, wor it's worked for me and, um, you know, I, I have no complaints about it and it feels, I never was a big dairy guy. I'm, you know, I'm Jewish and, and sometimes Jews have a hard time with dairy. We can't really deal mm. with it anyway. So it never was a huge mm -hmm. part of my, of my diet anyway. So it wasn't a big deal. Uh -huh. um, and I, co I cook but a lot. Were there others in your life at the time that sort of pushed you in that direction? No, no, it was a totally yeah. independent thing. So uh, it was pretty organic. So it's good and it totally worked for me and I learned how to cook and I'm, everything's good, you know? So- Well, congrats, that's amazing. Thank you, thank you. I'm still worried about the fruit intake. Do you do, you do tomatoes? <laughs> oh yeah, I'll eat the shit well, there you out go. of some tomatoes. Well, there you go. And if carrots and avocados count as fruits, I think they are fruits because they, whatever. I, my my thing is anything sweet. I just yeah. have an an immediate gag reaction. Really? I mean, not really, 
I don't, I don't think I would gag. I just would never choose to eat anything sweet ever in my life. So like you wouldn't do a strawberry. I would be like, what's the point? What's the point of the strawberry? <laughs> it's yeah. how I feel about dessert. Like um, my significant other, he has a major sweet tooth and he's like, why don't you want to eat this? And I'm like, because I'll just be like, I mean, I'll have a bite and be like, yeah, I appreciate it, but I don't want to have more of it. I want you to write your autobiography and I want it to be called, what's the point of a strawberry? What's the point of fruit? What's the point of sugar? What's the point of sweets? What's the point of a strawberry? What's the point of fruits? I don't know. Well, I think I, that there's, there are some vitamins involved, Shannon. No, I think. there are. And listen, really? yeah. I understand that I have been, like, when I go to the doctor and they're like, they think I have, they think I'm of perfect health and I have really low blood pressure. And they say, you should have some more salt. And I just imagine like fashioning a salt lick around my living room for horses and the, but i will have no horses i will just go around and go Nay! and then like <laughs> lick up salt so for you it's all about savory salty, and spicy and spicy oh man i am impervious to spice and i and i say that and people can be like oh this white Irish woman can say what she wants. No, but I, I taught ESL um, for more than 10 years and my Korean students would bring me to little Korea and test out my spice tolerance and I'm legit. Really? Oh, I can handle spice. It's, it, it's remarkable. I'm just, it's remarkable. I can handle spice, like I can handle salt, but I don't think of salt as handling it because I want it all the time. Spice, I'm just like, I'll show you. I'll show anyone. Really? So did, do you know where this may have come from? Like, do you know like this particular superpower? Where could this have developed? Um, we don't know. I think it's unique to me. Yeah. <laughs> you're like you're like one of those people that doesn't like feel pain so they can like walk into walls they don't feel anything for you it's spice you don't actually spice has no effect yeah on you. I, I, the pain thing i struggle with because i have a lot of accidents i actually do a lot of harm to myself and i've had many many trips to the emergency room and stitches and i always had that when they ask you and Probably most people are not familiar with this because they don't end up in the emergency room a lot, but I do. And they ask you, what is your pain level? One to 10. And it's such a tricky question because you don't want them to think you're weak. Right. But you also want to get the adequate pain medication. Right. Or, or like you want them to treat you quickly. It's really tough. And I, I think um, I've probably had like eight visits to the emergency room. And I, I don't know, like, it's always so tough. I, when I was younger, I would be like four. And now I'm like 10. <laughs> Just to get like immediate help. Right. But then you get, an, you get a reputation 
I don't know. I, I mean, like you the, shouldn't have a reputation in an emergency room. No. But no. if you've spent, if you've gone a few times, you do. I have a, a propensity for chopping off fingers. You do? I'll bet you're cutting avocados when it happens. No, you would think. One you would th think. Yeah. No, I had an immersion blender accident where I literally <laughs> oh cut off the whole top of my finger, found it on the kitchen. This was 10 years ago. Found it on the kitchen floor. I had to wrap it in a towel, bring it to the emergency room. But just, um, God, just as the pandemic started, I had a major knife accident on my right ring finger and I was convinced it happened around like 7 p.m. on like the Thursday night and I just thought I have all of this you know like I'm fine I'm just gonna wrap it up I got all the stuff and then because I also, I did not want to go to the emergency room right. during the pandemic. I was horrified. And so I said, I'll just rough it through the evening and then I'll go to, you know, what are those other places called that aren't quite emergency Like room? an urgent care. Urgent care. I have one across the street and I know they open at eight. So this happened around 7 p.m. I said, I'm going to wrap this up really tight, and I've got a lot of stuff because I'm accident prone, and it'll be fine. And then I go, and they look at it, and the woman goes, oh, gross. <laughs> and she goes, she, I mean, she says gross, and then I immediately wanted to vomit because <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't think it's, it's probably not that bad. And then she's like, we can't handle it here. And I'm like, I know it's gross, but like, could you just stitch it up, please? So I don't have to go to the emergency room. And she's like, oh, no, 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 we're not going to touch this. This is, and then she just goes, gross. <laughs> <laughs> and so they send me to the emergency. I mean, they don't send me there. They basically say, we won't treat you. And obviously I knew I had to go. So I take a, a ta a, an Uber, a Lyft, whatever, to the emergency room. And then this was still, it was still like cold outside. And you get there and there is a line three blocks down of people. You're not allowed in, of course. This was, this was March. You're not allowed in. Masks and everything, six feet apart. And I almost just ran and thought, you know, I don't really care what becomes, what happens to this finger. I'm not staying for this. I can't. This is too, this is too awful. And it actually, the line moved rather quickly and then they stitched me up. And now I just have like this weird, uh, like I have this little nub, like I have a little finger growing out of my finger. What? <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, I'd like, <laughs> I mean, how much blood were you losing, by the way, through the night? Uh, I wrapped it up really tight. I know a thing or two about first aid, so I wrapped that puppy up, but it, it was, it was very bloody. It was very bloody, um, and I ended up with, uh, 14 stitches. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, just on my fingertip. It was bad.
Um, wow. And, and now it looks, it looks like I have like a, it doesn't look like I have a finger on top of my finger. It looks like a blister on my finger that I'll have forever. Now, when I hear about these things, all these hand yeah. injuries, you are a guitar yeah. player. Yeah. Right? Well, you know, that doesn't matter for me because I'm a really shitty guitar player. And this was my right hand. This is your right hand. So, like, you know, all of my special fingering, which I don't do, would be on my left hand. Okay. So, you know, if I were to do any of that, yeah. And I don't anyway, so it doesn't matter. And then I basically hold the pick. So, okay. but when you when you chopped off the, the tip of your finger, the one prior yeah. to this, was that also on the right hand? It was, yeah. It okay. Was, yeah. Um, right. Well, that was, yeah, and that was cumbersome because that was a big, that guy came off and had to be reattached. It was amazing. Unbelievable. <laughs> you, I mean, all these hand injuries. Um, yeah. I mean, I suppose that, you know, you're a singer. I suppose that if they were like voice or throat injuries, you might be more alarmed, perhaps? Uh, yeah, I think, um, I, yeah, I think I would be right? more alarmed. I mean, I would also think anyone would be more alarmed if like they put a knife through their throat as opposed <laughs> through their fingertip. Yeah. Most people would probably be more alarmed and maybe also be suicidal yes especially if your voice is your livelihood well yeah i mean it's not my livelihood thankfully yeah but it's but it's still <laughs> you, now look you have a guitar hanging behind you how often do you pick up the guitar and play on oh, a daily that's just there for props that dusty no, pal no i i i play the guitar or or i make some songs or I think about music once a day, once okay. a day. Okay. Yeah. That's I mean, good. I might skip a day if I'm like being really celebratory or something. Like if I, if got, if I've got a big, like on my birthday, I did not pick up the guitar, but most okay. days, especially now, um, as you know, I'm a teacher, our school year is over here in New York. And it's the first year in, I think, 12 years that I'm not teaching summer school because mm. it kind of doesn't exist. And uh, I'm scared. Reality has not hit me yet because it's just Monday of my first week on vacation, not being able to go anywhere. So I imagine I have to get into some real scheduling about songwriting or else I'm going to feel like a fucking loser. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you could you could cook up an album over because you don't go to back to school until what like September. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. So you could conceivably. I mean, it's kind of weird. Like I remember when I put out my last book, I thought I'll oh, relax for a while, and then suddenly, looking in the rearview mirror, like two years had gone by, and I went, "Fuck! I gotta like keep that cement wet." Last time yeah. you and I talked, you just put your solo record out. And that was two years ago. That was almost two And it's been two years. Like, that's years. so weird to think it was two years that we were talking. And I, like, it seemed so recent to me. And then my, my significant other, Guillermo, said to me the other day, he's like, when are you putting out your next record? Yeah. And I was like, what? 
I just put one out. <laughs> Two years ago. <laughs> and yeah, which I mean, by the way, I mean like if, if you were to put a record out like every five years, I don't think that would be bad. No, not right? at all. But, uh, but then I was just like, oh, yeah, you're right. Stephen from Ireland was visiting because he had a gig here and um, so I booked a ticket in I think in January to go to him in Ireland and the plan was just to spend like 10 days with him and his family but also do some major recording and now I don't know that I'll be allowed into the country I you know, know. And it's so touch and go and then I don't even I don't even know if I'm allowed, if it's the right thing to do. Like I just, I go back and forth because I'm being so responsible and so careful here. The idea of getting on a plane just seems irresponsible. I'm so torn. Yeah. Just really torn. It's a long flight. But Steven's from Kern, right? He's, well, he's in Drogheda. 
Oh, yeah, the band Kern. The yes, band Kern. Stevens and Kern, sorry, right. yeah. And then you would, and he would run the record as well. You like to do stuff with him. We have no idea what we do. Be fun. We were, we were just like, I have some songs that I've been writing for my new, whatever, solo record that doesn't have to be a solo record. And Steven is always writing because he's prolific in that way. And so, and um, yeah, so the guys from Kern, Brendan, Brendan and Barry are in Drahada as well. And um, so, yeah, we were just sort of going to see what happens. And I hope it happens, but I'm, I'm really torn about whether I should go if I'm allowed to go. Yeah. So, and Stephen and I are in touch every day. And it's weird because being over there, in a way, it's different because they're less touched by it. And so he's like, why wouldn't you come if you can come? And I, he's not being like irresponsible or anything by asking me that. I just, my experience here, not only in the United States, but in New York, in New York City, has been so different that I just, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. And I, and I clearly have to decide at some point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it sounds to me like you have at least the kernel of a new record, yeah. right? We have the kern. The kern. Oh. We have the kern of a record. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it would be up to those guys if they would be all right with doing a collaboration. We haven't really talked about it. The idea is just, I go over and, I mean, I was going to present them with some of my songs, but I would be flattered if they wanted me to collaborate on some of their songs, and yeah. then we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Now, how do you keep, do you sing every day? Do you keep up your voice? Like, do you? Oh, Jesus, no. No? I sing like once, so once every two weeks. Really? Well, if I'm not performing. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I'll, I sing a little to write, but when I sing to write, I don't sing sing. Right, you know? right, right. So. But the voice is, and I'm asking because a lot of the people who listen to the show are musicians. Some of them are, are young and just getting started. And they all, mm -hmm. they're always very curious about what the discipline is like of, you know, people who've been doing this for a while. And right. it's interesting for me to hear, but I gotta be honest with you because I am not writing every day. Uh -huh. I, I think about it. I'm not writing every day, but I, always, I also feel that not writing is part of the process of writing. Um, Absolutely. Right? But I don't know about singing. Yes. It seems like you know, your voice is a muscle, isn't it? Or is it? Uh, I don't know if, if it if it's, is really a muscle. We'd have to ask a scientist about that, Alex. Okay. But what, what I know is that, yes, my voice can get a little bit rusty. But then I also appreciate what it does when it's a little bit rusty. Uh, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not an opera singer. And I, I appreciate my voice because it almost always does what I want it to do. And maybe I say that because I'm lazy and I, you know, that's, that suits me, but I, I also think like sometimes I'm surprised by my voice. Like I'm not a trained singer 
I never had any any ambition of singing or songwriting or whatever. So I just realized like I have a, a little bit of a, I don't know, I have a, I can sing a little bit and I'm, but I don't want to do too much with it, but this is my, like, this is my problem. I'm not making any sense right now. It's the Prosecco. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's sort of going back to like the, my guitar playing. I'm really a horrible guitar player, but that's for real. And it is because I decided that I know my chords. I don't want to know any more because I don't want to, in my mind, I said like sort of taint my songwriting, but I know in a way that's an excuse and I should be a much better guitar player after all these years. I'm not trying to embarrass you, but I want the listeners to know that you have one of my favorite voices of all time. I love your voice. Thank you, Alex. I do. And, and I feel like, um, you know, it's, it's such a gift that you have. And it's really interesting for me to hear that you're not dealing with it on a daily basis. I almost like that better because it feels like you can summon it when you need it. But it's not like I, it, and I don't want to say in any way I take it for granted. Like I right. also, for the record, I appreciate my voice and I know that I have a gift. Uh, I'm thankful for my voice and who knew like I can sing that's gr I I don't take it for granted at all um but I also know in the lot like I've been songwriting for 20 years I sort of know what it takes to cultivate it or maintain it and I don't want to say oh it takes very little um but maybe sometimes I like letting it lay and then, you know, and then come out a little bit like a dragon. I don't know. <laughs> like, it's not, it's not like I have a trained voice. Right, I'm aware right. of that, you know? And so I feel in a way like, I don't know, I can let it sort of do what it wants to do. Yeah, I can relate to that because I always feel that with writing, sometimes mm -hmm. I feel if I'm reading too much, it's a way of polishing my voice in a way I don't want to polish it. Right. Um, right, because it feels like, because I'm so susceptible to outside influences that yeah. I'm afraid I might start sounding like the people I'm reading. Yes. Right? So there's that. So I totally get the idea I want to remain raw and sort of wild with, with mm -hmm. what it is. And I think as you get older, you get better at knowing what that sounds like um, yeah. and what that feels like. But what, in terms of the songs that you're writing, are you, is the subject matter surprising you or is it, does it feel that the stuff you're writing about makes sense? Like, oh, is it a conscious decision to choose this subject matter or is it sort of making a cameo and kind of surprising you? I think the newer songs that I'm writing are not surprising me, but they're very much, they're less about me and more about, I mean, there's some stuff going on in the world. I don't know if you're aware. I've, I've, been, I've been watching. Yeah, and so yeah. it's like, <laughs> yes. you, you feel like a major asshole if you're just like, mm -hmm. 
I don't, I mean, I know. but there's a way, and I, I mean, listen, there is a way to write about yourself or write in the first person and still talk about the, I mean, like, Jesus, I am obsessed right now with Rough and Rowdy Ways, Dylan's new record. Oh, yeah. But I can't, I'm like, uh, it reminds me of when I got Paul Abdul's record and I only wanted to listen to Straight Up in like when I was 12. Um, I keep playing uh, I Contain Multitudes, the first song on repeat because I'm obsessed with it because it's actually this perfect balance of what we were just talking about of um, it is it's so much uh, about the world, but then it's so much about Dylan at the same yeah. time, you know? And he has this, I mean, and I guess part of it is just like keeping that first person point of view, but just, I mean, I don't know, like thinking of a lyric, I'm trying to conjure lyrics. Um, um, I sing songs of experience like William Bra like L William Bra blah 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 Blake, you know <laughs> that guy. Um, I don't know, like, or even says something. What does he say that he is? I'm just like Anne Frank, or like Indiana Jones, <laughs> or like those bad boys, the Rolling Stones. Like, I could never say. I'm not gonna say that I'm just like Anne. Certainly not like Anne Frank, but not even, you know, like those bad boys, the Rolling Stones. I don't know. He just has this perfect way of sort of talking about the shit that's going on in the world, but making it about him. But he's allowed to do that because he's Bob Dylan. Yeah. And so, like, I can't say... I sing songs of experience like William Blake. I mean, I can. You can. I can, but I, it doesn't feel right. Well, you could say, I sing songs of experience like William Blake, but not as much experience as Bob Dylan. Yeah. <laughs> There's your lyric. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. No, there you go. Thank you, I know, I know what you mean, though. There's a certain kind of um, authority that he has that mm -hmm. where he can say certain things. And I, I understand that. And he's, It's an authority, but it's also, he's just on a fucking different plane. Yeah. He's not where, like, I can be his age, and I hopefully will be his age, or, or maybe, maybe it's better if I'm, uh, no, yeah, I'd like to be his age, I think. Okay. Um, but I'm not gonna, be on his plane and I don't mean I'm not insulting myself I am just emphasizing who the fuck is Bob Dylan well he sort of who got is he? I know I know well he he also got his decline out of the way when he was fairly young you know like like, like 80, right 30. yeah because because actually he I like what he's doing because creatively he's arguably, you know, more vital or as vital than he's ever been. And it's, it's hard to find people who are 80 years old, right, or thereabouts, yeah. who are 
you know, like, like I like Neil Young, but I don't think Neil Young has been, you know, producing really vital records in the last 30 years. Right. Um, you know, and I know a lot of people might dispute that Elvis Costello, I, I haven't loved really anything in the last 30 years. I mean, I still like him. Um, but Dylan has remained pretty edgy. Costello's done a couple of okay. things. Um, All This Useless Beauty, which maybe that's been 20 years ago, and I'm just that old. That's and, 95. Um, I think it was 95. And the thing with ba Baccarat. What was the thing with Baccarat? Yeah, so that was like... Maybe so, that was still the 90s? That was still like 98? I'm living, I'm living in the past, Alex. I'm like, what do you mean? Costello <laughs> just put out this record with Baccarat. Listen, those records are both older than your first soda stream. <laughs> <laughs> those are, but I know what you mean. He's still trying stuff, but it's hard to yeah. think of people. I think Tom Waits is still pretty vital. I would say Waits and Dylan are the best examples. Of you know, I, and I haven't followed Waits as much as I should because I'm, I'm a major fan. And then, yeah, you just get the sense, which is so unfair, especially as a musician getting older, that you, you stop looking into people because you assume they're not doing stuff because they're older. Right. That's not, that's a, a dangerous thing, yeah. But like, I just think of uh, Dylan with um, Time Out of Mind and Love and Theft. Yep. Oh my God, like those are, two of my favorite Dylan records of all time. And their recent work. Their recent work. And I think Rough and Rowdy Ways, I need more time with it. I mean, I need to get past, <laughs> I contain multitudes. I've listened to the whole record a few times, but I'm just, um, just this idea that this man near 80 may be do like he, God, no, he's just, he's still got it. There's he's still got it. it. No, no, he, uh, he definitely still has it. There's no doubt about that. And his voice sounds amazing. His voice sounds amazing. And, I, you know, I know people have their feelings about it, but, like, the man knows what to do with his voice. He knows himself and he knows his voice. I mean, one would hope after, like, 78 years that you would know yourself. But uh, anyone who's going to criticize his voice, I just say, like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they're missing the point. I think that, that you know, to, to criticize his voice yes. is to miss the entire point of Bob Dylan. Of course. You know who I've been digging into is mm. lately, especially, is the go-betweens. I've been sort of just immersing myself in that whole song collection uh, yeah, you know, whatever, how many albums it was, like 10, 11 albums, and there's a lot of material to go through. And mm -hmm. I, they're another one of those bands that was just getting better. Um, mm -hmm. It's a shame that, that one of the, you know, Grant McLennan died, but boy, they were getting stronger and stronger, which seems impossible because they were always so good. Yeah. Um, no, were, I went, you know, I was a, I wasn't, I'm not going to say I wasn't a huge fan. I just didn't know their work terribly well. But everything I heard, I loved. Yeah, they were great. I know, yeah. the, I, I think a lot about the idea of how do you age as an artist? I mean, how do you, right? And, and age doesn't mean how do you get to be 100. It just means how do you right. keep your work 
vital? How do you keep your stuff? How do you keep the urgency in your work? Yeah, that's a good question. Do you have the answer, Alex? I do. Um, let me just Google it really quickly. Yes, um, please. Because I, okay, I do have an answer. It's, I'm making it up, but here's what I think it is. Great. Yes, One, please. I think you have to keep challenging yourself. You can't just do the same shit every, every time, right? So you keep challenging yourself. One. Mm -hmm. um, two, I think you really have to know um, who you are. Because I think Bob Dylan yeah. is very, very uh, clued in with who he is. The aesthetic is yeah. very clear. Um, I think he may have a sense of who he is. I feel like he has a real sense of that. Um, and, I think, <laughs> and I think you have to just not be lazy about it because so many artists, yeah. you know, just get lazy when they become like, this is my shtick. And, yeah. right? So if you're reinventing yourself, um, you can't do the shtick. That's why when I teach, yeah. I don't teach the same stuff. Like, I won't say like, we're going to read this book uh, like, remember teachers in high school? It's like, how many fucking times are you going to go over the Scarlet Letter? Like, 30 years? Yeah, I mean, like, Scarlet you want to talk about teaching for a little while? Yeah, yes. Yeah, okay, yeah. let's okay. do it. How do you do it? Do you mix it up? <laughs> yeah, I do. I mean, do I'm really lucky. I work in a place in Brooklyn where I teach seniors. And if there's ever something I want to teach, I they'll get it for me. I mean, of course, who knows what the budget will be next year or if we'll actually be together. But uh, yeah, um, I feel, but I got to say, teaching high school, I teach seniors. Yeah. And I like five years with a book unless I, unless I hate it. If I hate it, like if I, and I can't say I hate a book. If I feel like I was a complete failure teaching it the first year, I might abandon it. But I like taking five years with a book. And really? then at five years, I feel so comfortable that I want to go six year and I say, nope. Because you're okay. too comfortable. Yeah. Too comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm. I love five years if it's something that I think is worth teaching. Even if it's not something I love, if I, if I just feel it's worth teaching, I'll spend a little more time. And then within maybe a couple of years, I'll, I'll end up becoming really fond of it or, but it's not about how I feel about it. It's like, am I able to relay the messages to the kids do they have themes that they can talk about and write about it's the only right. thing I, I care about um yeah so uh i decided this year um that faulkner could no longer live in my senior library sound in the fury i did i did the sound in the fury for this is for my AP English class. I teach uh, general English too for 12th grade. And um, first of all, it's hard to teach. <laughs> it's really hard to teach. It's really hard, yeah. <laughs> but also, and I, I don't, um, I think that Southern writers are worth ex exploring and I don't think you know, I don't think that they don't have their place in um, 
in what we're going through currently in society. But I think maybe they need a break. I don't know. I'm thinking about this a lot. I'm all, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what's worth. I, I feel like there are a number of works or authors that maybe we should all as educators, like give a, a year's respite to, I don't know, just to think about, just to think about, I, or to get my head around. Other teachers don't need a year. Maybe I need, I need some time to figure out, um, I need some time. I'm trying to figure it out, but I know. I'm unemployed this summer, so that's a great thing. It's the first time in 11 years I'm not teaching summer school, so. Uh, you know, I don't think summer is meant to be in the classroom, so I think it's good that you're out. Well, I, you know, for the past, like, 11 years, I've always said, like, I can't wait for the year that I'm either emotionally well or financially well enough to not do summer school and this year it wasn't my choice right <laughs> so, right and i mean you i have and, to be emotionally well enough. yeah well you and i both don't know if we're going to be going back in the fall and back right. really just means online or in person um, right it, it, we don't know what's going to happen right now my college is telling us you're going to be here August 24th. They are saying you They will. are saying that, yeah. Starting when, sorry? August 24th, but we are, you know, California at this point. Right. And we'll, we'll air this show pretty quick so we, so we can keep it current because just in case everybody's dead uh, at the end of this month, I want to make sure that we get this one in. Um, Alex! Is that, is that too dark? Okay. Too it's, dark. It's dark. Uh, but too it's, dark. I, it's dark. But I feel like it's really... Uh, the numbers are, are really out of control right no, now. No, it's, yeah. it's staggering and it's upsetting. And yes, I, yes. Right. But, so, uh, so for me, we're supposed to be going back, but that could change is all, is all I'm saying. But wait, um, the, what, what month are you going back? August. 24th. August 24th. Yeah. Oh. And then we are going to be out November 24th. So, mm -hmm. right. So they're saying like, because they think everyone starts to get sick around then. Um, but college students get sick around October 9th because all they need is four or five weeks <laughs> of like no one watching them. And they are honest to God, they're like, they all have rabies by, by early October. By all indications here, I mean, nothing's been decided yet, I, as far as I know, but it looks like at best, for the New York City public school system for uh, middle school and high school, that there would be some sort of staggered schedule, which means kids and teachers would probably not come in every day. But okay. Nothing's nothing's been decided. Yeah, it's really up in the air. And by the way, I really did not enjoy teaching on Zoom. Oh my God! I mean, yeah. Well, and I mean, you probably know. So I teach seniors, and so I would try to have these seminar classes, and I didn't even grade them because I knew not to, <laughs> not to even bother. But I just tried to entice them by saying like, hey, we, we haven't seen each other in a long time. We all miss each other. And it, you know what though? 
they did miss each other, but I just find it so bizarre. Like a bunch of them signed on for these classes, but so few of them showed their faces, which is so bizarre. Like for us older people, we think they're just always like, here's my face. Right. And they're so shy about showing their faces. So I get, um, I'd say like 80% participants, but probably 20% showing their faces. And I, I just found it really bizarre because I think we think of these kids as like being the ones who are always ready to show their faces and are so like, you know, like they do uh, FaceTime all the time and, but they're not there like they're insecure adolescents. Yeah, of course. And also for us, I don't know if you if you had the Zoom drain, but like I could, I could teach three classes in a row in person and have plenty of energy. But after uh -huh. one Zoom class, I was just like so tired and I don't know why. I think because I was trying to keep it up. Um, my classes were all discussion based and like trying to sort of facilitate yeah. this. And it was, and then like my cat walks by and I'm like, am I wearing pants? Like, am, am I like, what am I doing? Am I all right? Yeah. And um, I did not enjoy it at all. Well, the only time I was happy was when like one of my dogs jumped up on me because I'm like, oh, thank God. Let's take a minute and say hello to Hazel or Muriel. Like, yeah, that's the only time I was happy. I was always cognizant of the fact that I had on pants. <laughs> I, you know, because I teach minors. So it's that extra important that I'm wearing pants. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. I, I don't teach minors. I teach, I teach adults. So I, no, know. I know. Yeah. I know, but you should wear, you know, I mean, you should, you should wear pants too. One should or, wear pants. I think it probably is a good idea. I, you know, my early morning class, my eight in the morning class, I would roll out of bed and I'd turn things on and I would sit there and I go, oh, I'm good to go. And there were a couple of moments where I went, did I, did I check everything? That's <laughs> all, that's all I'm saying. You know? Um, well, I mean, it, it's funny what our, our Zoom personas become because at first I was always like, well, at the very, like, I, I get up very early to walk the dogs and then I'll take a shower. And, and for the first couple months, you know, I was just in full clothes. Like, it's a work day. And then I thought, this is kind of really weird because... Uh, all I'm going to do is be, yes, working from home and taking the dogs out all the time. So I maybe should just do like a blouse and shorts and sandals. And then it, it basically turned into like garbage t-shirts. <laughs> and I mean, I, yeah, so. Yeah, we all, we all sort of devolved on our, on our Zoom us, right? We did. Did you, I know when you play live, you are, there is a live persona that you have to project. And when you're doing Zoom, that's also a persona. Do you, mm. when you play live, when you did shows for the, for the record, did mm -hmm. you, do you feel that you become a kind of heightened or different version of you? Or do you feel that it still isn't, it still is you? That's, that's a tough question, but anyone so when i i mean my audiences these days are small okay for my solo shows 
And I would say like of those audiences, 60% are friends or colleagues of mine. And the comment they always have is like, you wear the same thing on stage and you say the same things except you're a little bit raunchier. Okay. No, I'm like, I am the same person on stage apparently. <laughs> no, I am. I mean, like, and a couple of my students, or a number of my students who have graduated, because I teach seniors and they've come to shows, they're like, Miss McCardle, and I'm like, call me Shannon, you know, because this is weird. <laughs> they say, watching you on stage is kind of like having you in class. <laughs> I think I think I'm always the same person. I think I'm kind of always the same person. It's an extension of you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like I I know how to refine it a little bit, but I don't and I don't think I'm terribly different in any like yeah in any arena. I do, I don't think I'm so much different in the classroom as I am on stage. Are you, have you been playing shows? Because we live so far apart. I'm, I'm, we're literally yeah. like across the country. So in the last right. year or so, are, have you actually played gigs? We were doing a decent amount before uh, COVID. We, yeah, I would say like once every uh, three weeks. Oh, wow. I mean, all local in Brooklyn, um, but really sort of starting to feel like, oh yeah, this is easy. You know? Yeah. I mean, to start to feel with your band when you're feeling really close to them and then and then COVID happened. But yeah, I mean I have a a a beautiful and sort of tight band. I mean we were before everything happened and we're excited to get back together again. But yeah, I mean I think the goal for all of us is to play every few weeks or once a month. I mean, everyone else in the band um, are in their, I guess, 50s. I'm the youngest. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, with kids and, you know, like, I mean, we all, we, we just all have, you know, middle age concerns <laughs> and right. issues. Right. Um, but everyone's committed and so as soon as we're able to play again we will shannon mccardle and the middle age concerns that should be the name of your band um <laughs> you um and you must be excited. no i think shannon mccardle and terry menopause because that is <laughs> the most immediate <laughs> that does I keep mean, coming up i don't know like i i keep talking about this wedding i think we all know what it is <laughs> Look, oh, and, the and, the and there they go, fire. yeah. Um, but you, can we see him? Are they gonna? Do you wanna see the dog? I wanna see it, yeah. I wanna see at least right, one of them. Bubby, Yuri. Oh, Yui. that's a cute dog. Hazy. That's another cute dog. You guys can see us, there's two of them. Here. And they are you awfully cute. You say hi, come here, say hi. Come here, Yuri. How are they doing Yuri? in the heat? is a very serious soul. She's from Puerto Rico. She's a schnauzer something mix. And then Hazel is a fucking terror. 
I mean, she was 17 pounds when I got her. She's 34 pounds now. And you Look see. at her. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, monkey. Hi. Oh, cute. What kind she, had, she had chemical burns all over her. And then look at her now. And then look at her. I don't want to even know, like, where chemical burns, what, why well, a dog the sense, what the, so I got her from the Brooklyn shelter, and they said that they thought she had never, she'd never lived indoors. Oh. So she had been, like, tethered outdoor for breeding. Wow. And, because she's a pit bull. I mean, she's a pit bull mix. She's, and so, um, and it's amazing. Like the, I got Miri, the furry one, the one from Puerto Rico first, and she was so depressed. I'm like, oh God, I have the saddest dog in the world. It's probably my fault. <laughs> and then, so I had to get a dog for my dog. So I went to the Brooklyn shelter and got Hazel. Because I was like, I want a medium-sized dog. I don't want one of those little dogs. No. But I don't want a big dog. And of course, when you go to the shelter, say the big dog and the little dog room. And so I go through all the big dogs and there's these hundred pound dogs. And I go to the very end and there's this tiny thing, Hazel, because she literally was half of herself. And I'm like, okay, well, she's the only medium-sized dog, so I'm going to take her. <laughs> and uh, it worked out perfectly. Like, they're, they're best friends. Well, dad, they're both really cute. They're beautiful. beautiful they are. Girl. They are. Yeah. Um, did you know, by the way, that um, our, our chat, our last podcast, was one of our highest-rated shows? People love you. What was that about? It was just people love you. I think people are going to want you to come back on the show. Oh my god! Yeah, you're very you're very popular. That's really sweet. I feel like maybe we should like sex it up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> how would we do such a thing? Uh, I don't. I mean, I don't know how you do that in a podcast. I don't know either. And I think I <laughs> my presence would just cancel that out. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Nonsense, nonsense. No, no. Um, but I'm really excited. I'm excited because I feel like <laughs> this summer, I think something really creative is going to happen to you. I feel like, do you feel that way? I, I have mixed feelings about this summer because I feel um, there are a lot of obstacles to doing a lot of stuff creatively. Um, it's it's really strange. I you and I haven't talked about um, the Mendoza Lyme reissue, and I appreciate you're not bringing it up. <laughs> um, I do. I really, really do. Yeah. I, 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 I wasn't going to talk about it at all. No. Um, I just think it's it's certainly like playing a, a role in my life that this reissue of uh, We're All in This Alone, it's the 20th anniversary of that. It was on Bar None and, um, and the reissue is through Bar None, but you know, like you can get it anywhere, whatever. I don't know, however 
people buy music these days. I thought, I think initially when you and I started chatting again a few weeks ago, just out of the blue, you're like, come back on the show. And I said, okay. And then I thought, and you didn't say anything about the Mendoza line thing. And then I thought, oh, I don't know if I should talk about that or not, or if I want to talk about it or not. I was really paralyzed because I felt really confused about the, the reissue coming out. And then it came out. Or just before it came out, Pete Huffman and I started talking again. And so Pete, Pete was the third singer-songwriter. Um, he was one of the initiators of the band. And then he, he, le he left the band before Tim and I did. Um, and it was almost as if no time had lapsed. Because <laughs> Pete and I always really got along. And... We've done a couple of podcasts, and it, it's been really fun to Good. remember. Just, I mean, gosh, there were, the, we did a lot of stuff, and I think um, to remember the positive things and the funny things and the stories, but also just to remember all, this, the, all of the stuff we did, all of the tours and all of the records, I feel really proud. And I am finding it hard right now to feel any resentment at all. I, it's been a really positive experience. And uh, I guess a little bit what's, I guess this is a little bit interesting is that my um, contact with Tim still remained very limited, which may contribute to the positivity of, the experience, and I, I don't mean that in any negativity towards Tim. He's decided not to be involved in the um, in the podcast so far, which mm -hmm. has been interesting to me because I'm I'm feeling like I'm I'm ready for that. It would be a positive thing and a fine thing for me. And Pete and I have had some really fun chats, and I thought, Jesus, like. 12, 13 years, but I mean, Pete has two children. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And he lives a mile away from me and we haven't seen each other in 13 years. That seems crazy. That, that seems like a, a relationship that needed to sort of get, be rekindled. That feel, that just sounds so positive. I think it will. I think it will be for yeah. sure. I mean, even if not musically, just like, Hey, we always liked each other. I mean, there were moments where we didn't, but for the most part, we liked each other. Yeah. Um, but we, Pete and I even talk about how Pete actually wrote a song that we thought might be an addendum to this reissue that we just never got around to. And, you know, said, whenever you're ready to record it. I don't know. It's It's been really positive. I was horrified I thought it was going to put me in a really bad space emotionally and yeah. I'm 
feeling listening to the record again, which I ha I I haven't listened to that record in ten years, and then listening to the bonus tracks, which I forgot <laughs> existed. I can I'm it makes me happy. I don't feel I feel nothing but happiness or no, I don't feel nothing but happiness. There are conflicted emotions, but uh, I feel certainly feel proud. As you should. I mean, it, it is really a terrific album and the band had a really great career, a lot to be proud of. Um, but for me, you know, with this show, what I think people have started to really catch on to is that I'm not that interested in the past because I kind of feel, not that I'm not interested, but I kind of feel that um, if it's on Wikipedia, if it's mm -hmm. already been covered, um, mm -hmm. it's, it's territory that feels almost mechanical, like it's a talking point. Like you can research yeah. that record. You can find out all you need to know about that. I'm interested right. in, you know, you going to the emergency room and <laughs> I want to know. Well, it'll probably <laughs> happen tomorrow, Alex. So. I, you know, I I want to know what you put in your water. Well, that's uh, what I love about you, that you want to just keep up to date. Should we do this like once a month? I think we should do it once a month. I think people will love Let's it. do it once a month. We'll do it once I a mean, month. That would actually like put a fire under my ass to actually make some stuff. Listen, you can even, if you feel up to it, you even one time could even sing a song that you're working on. Why not? Okay. Right? Okay. Yeah. And I'll, I'll share something with you. I mean, I, you know, I just put my book out. My new book just came out a week ago. And Where I, is my copy? I'm going to get one for, to you. I'm going to get you a copy. And I have felt like an asshole promoting it. Can I it buy it on like, Kindle? You can't, but don't buy it. I'll send it to you. No, no. I, no, I, I don't. No, I want to buy it. I want to support you. Listen, I, you're sweet, but I'm going to give you one. Um, but the, remember what happened to the last book I gave you? Your dog fucking ate the shit out of it. Do you no, remember? Yeah. 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 I do, I do, yeah, it was eaten. It was you eaten, that's why I'm saying maybe I should buy it on Kindle. <laughs> yeah, you sent me a picture of emergency anthems literally devoured. And I, no. you know, I thought that you were gonna say, I loved your book so much I tried to eat it. Yeah, because I'm like Hannibal Lecter <laughs> or something. No, I did love it, I did love it. And I, and I did read it before it was devoured. Yes. It wasn't even devoured, yeah, it, was it was defiled. It was divine. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was. But I thought, you know, your dog has good taste then. I'll just look at it that way. Absolutely. Right? So you will, okay, you'll do this once a month with me. Yes, but only if you'll let me just get your book on the Kindle. Fine. Okay, yeah. what's, what, what's the new one? The new one is, it's called Malro which is M-A-L-R-A-U-X. Okay. Oh, and it's special, fancy French, yes. Fancy, so it's What's Malraux. What's about? It's uh, Malraux and the Midnight Organ Fight is the name, full name of the- uh, Oh, okay. Right? So I'm getting a reference. You get, yeah, the, the Frightened Rabbit. Yes. Uh, yeah, Malraux and the Midnight Organ Fight. It's about two teenage detectives who um, have to solve a series of murders one uh, particularly bloody summer in San Francisco. That's beautiful. Yeah. Do well, you know, I mean, gory. It, but <laughs> you went to now. <laughs> what is the genre, Alex? It is a young adult, uh, kind of a mystery. It's a it's it, young adult lit. Yeah. 
you know, um, I love, well, I teach high school, so I love young adult lit. And also one of my favorites, favorite young adult lit authors is Kelly Braffitt, who, oh, yeah. is, uh, who is the wife of uh, Owen King. And uh, yeah, I just like, I'm blown away because I think people think of young adult lit as being lightweight, yes. <laughs> but no, it's this very specific thing that has to be like digestible and approachable for people of a certain age range. Like, no, it's a very hard, I couldn't do it. Well, I'm it's not sure if I've done it. It's a very hard thing to do. It's been tough, but you know, it was really fun. It's basically a cover of, uh, of Sherlock Holmes. It's basically, it's what it is. Um, but I was really fascinated by the friendship between Holmes and Watson. So these guys have a very difficult friendship, but they clearly love each other. And so it's really a book about friendship. It's just sort of all the murder stuff is kind of a distraction. Anyway, see what you think about it. I'd, I would love to hear your thoughts. Well, how about we talk about it at our next podcast? Done. So we'll, we'll talk in uh, late July. Great. I'm, I, I got nothing going on. I love it. I, I can this- definitely read it. <laughs> well you're very Maybe sweet I can write a song or two look um i'm excited i'm excited to have you as a regular guest and i'm also excited to talk to you face to face because it's it was fun to see you it's nice yeah i'm sorry about these weird buns oh, or what stop it. i just i don't see people so i guess <laughs> we i mean you're not close enough to see my mustache and I'm very, i don't see that Thank you. Thank yeah. you for saying that to the I audience. You look great. You totally see it. I don't see it. You look fantastic. I don't see anything. I'm talking with you. I, <laughs> well, okay. So look, this has been great. I've loved talking to you. And then we're gonna. Um, I'm gonna text you, and we're gonna we're gonna set it up for uh, four weeks from now. I'm in. I'm in. I'm gonna read your book, and I can't believe that you want me back on again and i'm so grateful well i adore you i adore you as well alex happy fourth of july (laughs) you too she's so much fun gosh i love talking to shannon she is a blast she is a firework Who needs fireworks when you've got Shannon McArdle? ShannonMcArdleMusic.com is where you need to go to find out about her. That is Shannon, M-C-A-R-D-L-E, music.com. Go to my website, AlexGreenOnline.com. Buy my silly book if you're up to it. Uh, Ask your indie bookseller to order it for you. They'll appreciate it. Who needs an Amazon drone to uh, fly into your window and drop it on your bed and go, Get up, punk. There's your prime order. Read it, don't read it, we don't care. Just keep ordering stuff. I'll hover outside your window and wait. (laughs) It's kind of an ominous uh, look at the uh, dark side of Amazon Prime. Follow me on Twitter at Ember's Editor. Follow me on Instagram at Ember's Podcast or email me, editor at StereoEmbersMagazine.com. Stereo Embers, the podcast, is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use the most frequently, subscribe, leave us a rating, tell all your friends, 
we would appreciate that powerful trio. <laughs> I was going to say of tasks to be completed, but that sounds like I'm giving you work to do. Anyway, spread the word the way that you do uh, in this very confusing time, and we will be grateful for any kind of word of mouth. How about that? That's less, uh, that's less pushy than complete the trio of tasks that I just laid out for you. <laughs> I got really bossy for a second. I don't know why. Uh, look, this has been a great show. It's our holiday show, our 4th of July spectacular, and the only way to end it is to end it with a song from the Mendoza Lines, We're All In This Alone album. And I know I had this thing about the past, but listen, the past has a lot of value. And the Mendoza Lines album, We're All In This Alone, uh, is a great example of that value. It is a really powerful, beautiful, haunting record, and I love it. I can't believe it's been 20 years, but it has. Uh, do yourself a favor. Pick up this reissue. You'll be very happy with it. I promise you. Let's close the show with a track, which is my favorite song on the album, A Bigger City. Enjoy it. And thank you, as always, for listening to our little show with a big heart. <laughs> Stereo Ember is the podcast only on Bombshell Radio. Sunshine rise